Hey everyone, and thank you for joining me on today's episode of Everything Star Wars. Today, I will be sitting down with my friend Wesley Stevens as we talk about The High Republic, this new series of books and comics that Lucasfilm has been putting out this year. It's going to take place throughout the whole year uh, in three phases, and the first two have been released. Now, I didn't catch phase one when it came out on the podcast, so I will be doing phases one and two today. That's what Wesley and I are going to be talking about. It's this very cool time period about the pinnacle, the peak, the prime of the Republic. And today, Wesley and I are going to talk about the books we've read and uh, the characters and just what this time period is all about and whether or not it's worth reading. So, if you ever have any interest in reading it, uh, I highly recommend it. I suggest you should do it, but you don't have to take my word for it. Just keep listening and find out what's so cool about this time period. So without further ado, let's begin with a word from our sponsor. Hey, Wesley, how are you? I'm good, Josh. How are you? Not bad, thanks. All right, so everyone, today we are going to be talking about uh, the High Republic. Now, we didn't really get to... Uh, doing it when phase one first came out, but here we are talking about the first two phases, and that's what they're calling these releases of books and comics, phases. Um, so we're going to be going over the first two phases, which covers a f- several books, but a few in particular. Um, so that's what we're, that's what we're going to be going over now. Uh, the first book that we're going to be talking about is Light of the Jedi, um, and this 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 was a really good book. This was uh, one of their adult novels. And uh, it was written by uh, Charles Soule, and it was it was very well done. Um, what what did you think about it? I really really liked it. They did a really good job with world building and really showing what the galaxy was like two hundred years before the events of the Skywalker saga. They did a really good job introducing characters because you know the, it starts out you meet characters that just die. But through that process, you get a bigger understanding and a, just a greater understanding of what is going on with the hyperspace lanes and just everything in the galaxy as a whole. So I think the opening of that book was fantastically well done. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because um, it, it, uh, it jumps right in with saying, like, um, I think the first words were like, all is well. And that just, first of all, it's ironic because at the end of that chapter, like the the ship that they're on gets completely blown up. And that's the whole um, problem of the book is the great disaster. Um, I did an episode about that titled the great disaster. Um, and, but then it, so all is well, you know, it's, it's ironic because it turns out all was not well. Um, yes. But then also it's a great lead into this time period because that's really how you could best describe this time period. All is well, the Sith. I mean, they're pretty much still in hiding ever since, um, Bane took over and made the rule of two, the Sith have been in hiding. So the Jedi, they've been mostly just going around basically as diplomats. Um, That's right. Like we see kind of at the beginning of The Phantom Menace. Yeah, for sure. And they did a really good job of just giving us a better understanding of what it's like inside of Jedi's head. The, you oh, know, yeah. With Avar Chris, she sees the, the Force as like a song and she can kind of kind of uh, go into other people's heads and just kind of weave it all together into one giant crescendoing like music piece. Um, and that's really cool. And for Elzar man, you know, he sees the ocean and it's this vast ocean of just waves and it's deep, you know? Um, yeah, Yeah, there's a really cool look, um, really cool take on battle meditation for Avar Chris. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 you're right. It's a really cool look. You got um, Bell Zetafar who sees the force as like an inferno or like some sort of fire. Um, and that's really cool. Just all these different takes. It's really interesting. It makes you think like, um, how does like Anakin Skywalker see the force? How does Obi-Wan see the force? Yeah. And the more characters that are introduced and, you know, you read about it from their point of view, each one has a different take on the force, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It is really like cool. I think for Vernestra, she sees it as like a river or a stream and like how it flows through. And the more you, yeah, anyway, it's just really cool the way that they kind of painted that picture. Yeah, it is because this is really never before seen. Like, we, we've never gotten these very cool inside looks at like these Jedi's mind. And see, one thing I liked about the sequels, we're not really talking about the sequels now, but one thing I liked about the sequels was how they kind of expanded the force a little bit, brought some 
things that were previously just in Legends into canon. That's something I appreciate about the sequels. But even more I appreciate about the old, the High Republic is um, just this different look at the Force. So not really anything new, but just a completely different take. For and sure. And their goal with the High Republic was to show the Jedi at their peak. Yeah. So the Jedi before all their controversial choices kind of came through, you know? Yeah. And yeah, they've done yeah. a very good job with all of that. Yeah, because here at this point, they're mostly or relatively out of um, Republic affairs, out of the affairs of politics and stuff. So really, this is them at their peak. Yeah. Yeah, um, they did a really good job. Um, I really like the the whole problem of like the the great disaster, the hyperspace lanes, just all of that as like the world as a whole. It's like. Each person, whether they're Jedi or not, are affected by this. And how are they going to react to this? Because they're not as advanced in technology. They don't understand it quite as well. Right. Yeah. And this this, um, this really, you know, puts the Jedi kind of in the spotlight during this time period. Makes people really see, like, okay, can these Jedi really protect us? This is kind of the first time we've they've had the chance. They've had the opportunity to display their skills. And really, the Jedi, the Jedi do a pretty good job um all oh for considered. sure um now it doesn't necessarily turn out for them great every time or for any every instance of um an emergence for example an emergence is when a piece of um the ship that was destroyed comes out of hyperspace um like for a the giant comet yeah pretty much but hurtling at such high speeds that it would l almost literally destroy a whole planet or at least huge chunks of planets and what really makes that interesting is that for part, some of the emergences is that there are people that are still alive inside of those. Yeah, because it was a ship. ship. It was a ship that um, veered. It was in hyperspace, encountered an obstacle, and while trying to avoid it, ripped itself apart due to the immense strain that it underwent. So, so it's quite the problem for the Jedi to fix. <laughs> it is. Yeah, and and they do they do an incredible job at it um all things considered but what's interesting is that they don't just use their own force powers they also enlist the help of a young technician named kevin tar and he helps them really build this huge immense um basically like hyperspace um predictor that predicts where the emergences will take place um so it's it's interesting they don't just use their own their own abilities they don't just use the force but they also rely on technology Oh, for sure. And I really like that because it's like, you know, every kid when they're little, they want to be a Jedi when they grow up. Not everybody can be a Jedi, but everybody is important and everybody yeah. can be a part of the solution. Yeah. Which is what I thought was really cool. It is really cool because it fits perfectly with um, Lena So, who's the chancellor at the time, fits perfectly with her uh, motto, basically, which is we are all the Republic. Yes, and I think she is a fantastic chancellor, given that we've never really seen that before. Right. <laughs> we've seen uh, an evil chancellor, and yeah. uh, we've Playing seen... both sides of the war. Right, right. And we've seen, like, Valorum, but we don't really see him do much. Right. So... Alina, I think her her whole idea with, like, her tigers, or what are they? I forget what they're called. Uh, they're called Targons. That's what they are. <laughs> they are super cool. And I don't know, she just... She brings something new to the table that I think we haven't quite seen yet. Because yeah. she actually cares about her galaxy and she'll do whatever it takes to make it at peace. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, we get, a, we get a really cool look at all these new characters. Um, and I don't know. I don't think we'll go into depth on each character right now. But right. Uh, the main characters are, some of the main Jedi characters at least are uh, Avar Chris, who's a female Jedi. She becomes Marshal of the Starlight Station which is one of uh, the Chancellor Lena So's great works, as she calls them, which are basically these things she's doing for the Republic, One of these, some of these great things she's doing for the Republic. And at this time period, the Outer Rim is what is known as, like, the frontier. It's frequently called that because this is um, largely unexplored area, and this is when hyperspace mapping is still in effect. They haven't really nailed down the roots yet. So Starlight Beacon is basically this beacon of hope for the outer rim saying we're here the republic is here we're here to help you um, exactly so avar chris becomes the marshal of it the jedi appoint her as marshal um there's also elzar man who's one of her best friends and stellan geos 
who is also one of their best friends. And uh, they're both very cool Jedi, uh, very strong in the Force. Elzar Man has very interesting views of the Force, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he... Uh, he has, he's always been uh, unorthodox, to say the least, and he just has very interesting ideas and views, and he does this very crazy thing at, like, the end of the book, where, the end of the first book, uh, Light of the Jedi, where, uh, so all the, the system that Kevin Tarr builds to predict hyperspace um, emergences, it starts overheating, because uh, it's all outside, which helps with the cooling, because of the breeze, but what he does, what Elzar Man does when it starts overheating is he convinces the other Jedi to help him basically make it rain. Not through anything like mystic or powerful or like uh, strange, but just through simple science. He uses the force to like literally raise the moisture droplets into the sky, which causes it to rain. Because, I mean, that, that's how it works, basically. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool to see. Elzar very much strikes me as like the Anakin of kind of like this story because he's very spontaneous and reckless in what he does but for the most part it works out yeah yeah so he's he's like a less extreme anakin yeah. he does he does have his um he's much more emotional than most jedi but yeah. he also really wants to be a jedi and that's the thing anakin he 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 liked the idea of being a jedi as like a young boy and he liked the idea of you know having a laser sword and everything but he was never completely comfortable with the force yeah, um, and I think that. a big part of that was because Anakin came into it so at such a older age as most oh, yeah. of the other younglings that aren't. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, that was de that's definitely a big part of it. Um, and Elzar Man, of course, he was raised. You might even say indoctrinated um, at, uh, into the Jedi at a very young age. So, like most Jedi are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. That's he's he's basically like a more more jedi version of anakin yes that's that, that's how i'm gonna put it <laughs> yeah my favorite character from probably the light of the jedi is probably bell zedafar yeah he's, he's pretty cool man the second book really made made him my favorite but we'll <laughs> get into that in a second oh yeah um, he was no. this whole idea just like he's got his little dog which is super cool that because <laughs> it breathes fire yeah the char hound dude that's so cool yeah, but this kid is also, he's a Padawan as of the first book. Well, pretty much he's still a Padawan, but he's might as well be a Jedi because a full-fledged knight because he has done some crazy things. I mean, he saved his master so many times, his masters, I should say. Yeah, but yeah, no, he's, he's so just cool. such a good character. And I, I guess he's very relatable in that kind of sense once you read it and you can see his point of view and how he views things. It's very, very much relatable. So, yeah, definitely. Um, now, personally, I like his master, Loden Greatstorm. Oh yeah, I like him. Um, Loden is just such a cool character. He's like this huge twee, like like super buff, um, and he's considered by most Jedi, by pretty, he's considered by pretty much all Jedi to be one of the most powerful. Oh he's, yeah, like I see him as pretty much the Mace Windu of his time, just less dark side, basically. Yes, for he's sure. got like this crazy golden bladed lightsaber. Um, and he's just super powerful. He's a really good teacher, too. I for, love, for... love, love his teaching style because he's never dismissing Bell. He's encouraging him and instructing him, which I think is huge. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, like, so in the second book, it talks about Bell. Like, one of the first things he did as a Padawan was he was taken to a training droid. But it wasn't just a training droid. It was actually, like, hundreds of training droids. Right. Um, the little remotes. And uh, he's, in the first book, he's always talking about how Loden would make him just jump off cliffs to practice his like force slowing, <laughs> and that was, yeah. that was that was awesome. pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, Loden, but he so believes cool. in his paddle, on which I think is huge. Yeah, and he sees he's right. his potential. Yeah, his belief is well placed, as we see at the end. Like, oh, for Bell sure. Realizes, yeah, when Bell realizes that the force isn't about protecting yourself, it's about protecting others, and yes. that's when he finally succeeds in uh, slowing himself down as he's falling when he's um carrying a child in his arms as he falls out of the sky oh my gosh that was an intense moment <laughs> yeah it was it was very good it was so he all bell always rises to the occasion and oh, most yeah. of it's because his master has pushed him to it and bell fights it a bit but he always rises to the occasion oh yeah without a doubt yeah bell is very cool um yeah definitely 
he's, 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 yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he's a great Padawan. He's a great Jedi. And really the second book shows that almost even more. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, so, okay. So I haven't read Into the Dark. Tell me a little bit about that. So Into the Dark is about, it took me, I, I read it a while ago, but I'll try to remember. Basically, Wreath Silas, he's a Padawan and his master, I forget his name. I think it's Comac. Um, they board a ship with a couple other Jedi and they veer off course due to the hyperspace lanes being weird. Yeah. And they find a abandoned space station. But other people in this sector of space are also needing power and things like that because the hyperspace lane got... I forgot what happened to it. So anyway, they direct... Wreath uh, and his fellow Jedi direct those other ships to this abandoned space station. And as they're on it, a lot happens. They end up tapping into some unknown dark side force, awakening the Drengir. Um, and one of Wreath's fellow Jedi get kidnapped by the Drengir. And so he has to go save him. He meets this little girl named Nan, who. Wreath uh, doesn't know this yet, but she's a um, a Nile. Um, she is kind of playing both sides. She's trying to figure out what's going on with the Jedi, who they are, but she's playing this very much innocent little girl kind of uh, role. Yeah. Okay. So we didn't mention we haven't mentioned this yet, but the Nile they are the antagonists of the of this time of this time period of this series. They're basically a gang of um, space pirate pirates. marauders. What'd you say? Space pirates. Yeah, space pirates. Yeah. They're like, you know, Hondo Anaka? They're nothing like him. They're way worse. Oh, they're like yeah. They're basically pirates. the Sith of this, like, era. But right. But they're, they're not force users. Exactly. Which I think is really cool because it's like, it okay, who can stand up against a Jedi? But they're just regular people, right? Right. And that's so yeah, that's when um that's when the rising storm gets really crazy. But we'll get to that in a second. Um, right. But so their leader is named Martian Rowe, and he's called the Eye. They have this very interesting hierarchy set up where there's the big guy at the top, and his role is to supply the paths, as they call them. It's these basically secret hyperspace routes that um, no one knows no one really knows how he gets them, but he supplies them. And this lets him to be able to strike very fast um, and unpredictably. So, and because he has the paths, the Nile have made him their leader. Right. Well, yeah, they made his father their leader, and then he right. and, and it kind um, of passed down through the chain of command. Yep. Yep. So they have these three, basically secondary leaders called the Tempest Runners. Their whole thing is set up um, as kind of an analogy of a storm. And uh, so they have the Eye of the Storm. They have their three Tempest Runners. And then all their ships and everything and their fleet is divided up into, like, clouds and uh, storms and strikes and just yeah. all this really interesting stuff. Um, it, it's all really cool. So that's the Nile. They're um, marauders. They're against the Republic. They're against the Jedi. Um, they just do whatever they can to – well, yeah, in the first book, they do whatever they can just to get what they want. Um, get, you know, get money, get food, get whatever, drugs, whatever it is. Right. Um so getting back to Into the Dark, that yes. book was really, really cool because it kind of, it showed another kind of nuisance to the Jedi, They're the Dren gear. They're basically these plants that have been imbued with the dark side. It sounds really, really wacky at first, but these monsters are terrifying. They have thorns that they'll, and they have teeth and they'll just, they'll get you. So, yeah. so they... What they do is they, they have these gaping maws that they, of course, you know, try to eat you with. But if you they, they won't eat you if you basically turn to their side. So they let you – or what they do is they get their tendrils, their thorny tendrils. They basically stick them inside you and convert you to the Drengier side. Exactly. And it's basically this huge, as they call it, root system, as they refer to it. And uh, it's, it's like a hive mind kind and of And they thing. feed off of your body as they control you. Yep, yeah. And that is terrifying. Anyway, yeah. so they're stranded on this space station. I'm not going to spoil the ending, but basically how they have to figure out how to get off, how to stop the Drengir, and how to stop the Nile as well, because they are very much a part of this book as much as any of the others. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I'll have to read that sometime. Yeah, for sure. Um, do it. But so so these books basically so that book leads right into the High Republic comics, pretty much. Um, yes. And the High Republic comics focus on this Padawan of a Jedi master named Skier. And he's a Trandoshan, which is really cool. He's a Trandoshan Jedi. And he shows up in Light of the Jedi for a little bit. He's in a few scenes. Yeah, um, his arm gets a, ripped off. <laughs> yeah, his arm. He's in a space battle, and um, a Nile ship comes crashing into him, and his arm gets ripped off. So, of course, but he's similar to, to lizards. Their limbs grow back. Right. Yep. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. So, eventually, he'll grow back. But even more devastating to him was that his master, um, uh, what was her name? Jorah Mali. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Jorah Mali. And she was a Togruta, uh, similar to Ahsoka. And. Um, so he, she gets killed in that battle and that basically just puts him over the edge. He, he kind of cuts himself off from the force, which makes him weak and susceptible to the Drengir attack. So he basically gets controlled by the Drengir. Um, and there's this whole, there's this whole, um, plot conflict in the High Republic comics. You'll have to check them out. They're very cool. But um, through but the comics, you're not necessarily following Skier. You're following his Padawan right. key. Yep. Yep. So and yeah, you're following his... Yeah, so she's very much dependent on her master, but I think in the first the first issue, she becomes a knight. And so it's kind of her finding this new relationship with her master of, like, are we peers? Are, like, what, what's going on, you know? Yeah, um, so it's, she's not really as dependent as she thinks she is. It's more that she thinks she's dependent on him, but in reality, she's very strong in the Force. She's a very compassionate and caring and just really good Jedi. Um, so really what the comic series is about is her realizing that, okay, she's, she's a knight now. She can take responsibility for her own actions. She can do what she thinks is best. Um, and that's, that's what it's really about. It's also, uh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. What were you going to say? Uh, no, that was basically it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it also towards the end, well, where we are right now, at least in, uh, August is, um, they basically have fought off the Drengir for now. Um, what, so they had to make a temporary alliance with the Huts, the Hut cartel, which yes. is, seems, which is very controversial, but it was something that Avar Chris deemed right at the moment. Yes. And, and Avar Chris has very good judgment, but a lot of other people question that because of oh, yeah. her new role. Yeah. Yeah. And so they find the great progenitor who was basically like the mother Drengir. <laughs> She's basically the hive mind. Exactly. Yes. Um, and they find her and they incapacitate her um, through and special... set Skier free. Yeah. Yeah. So they get. Sca- yeah. 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 They had set Skier free and they went into his mind basically and found out the location of the Great Progenitor. Um, and that was that was a very cool scene in the comics with the, them fighting the, the dragon. Art in that comic and just all the comics really is just so well done, where you can see these emotions and you can see. How I don't know. You can see how the person's feeling through the art, which I think is really, really interesting. Because at one point, um, what is it? Like, in order for Keeve to to fight the Great Progenitor, she has to tap. She has to basically let the Dren Gear take over her body yeah. whilst remaining conscious. And that's really, really interesting because she basically has to let Skier like get all these tendrils inside of her and she basically has to remain conscious she sets skier free and they go off to face the great progenitor yeah barely barely they only barely survive or oh, barely yeah. make it through the encounter uh unscathed so that was that was a really tense scene there was basically a whole comic issue basically about that that's pretty much what the whole comic was about was her like going into or her and uh, skier kind of exploring his mind and finding the great progenitor and kind of the uh, impact it had on her. So that was just really yeah. interesting. Now, have you read, um, oh, what's it called? I forgot what it's called. It is the Test of Courage. Have you read that novel? I haven't. All right. Well, that's the last one and I of Wave 1, so I'll talk a little bit about that one. Yeah, okay. Um, a Test of Courage was such a good book. It's meant for children, so it's supposed to be like 8 to 12 years old. But it's still very much a part of this big story. You follow Vernestra Rowe. She and is that's, the, that's uh, Stellan Geos' apprentice. Yes, but she's a newly, she's a knight at this point. 
Okay. But she is younger than most Jedi Knights at her time. All of her peers are still Padawan. Because I think she's technically supposed to be 14 or 15. Okay. Um, but she's very much... Um, she's probably my second favorite character in the whole everything. Because she's she doesn't doubt herself. But when she does, she seeks out more information, more wisdom. She's very, very wise in her young age. And a lot of people dismiss her because of her young age. Huh. Is, she, so this, is she a Miriallen? Is she the same she species? She is, okay. yes. Okay, that's what I thought. I was just making sure. Yeah, she's got a purple lightsaber. Uh, she's super cool. Um, so this book was about uh, her. I think she had there was a diplomat's child and um a master and an apprentice they all are traveling on the ship to give safe passage to the new uh starlight beacon okay but their ship gets attacked by the nile in the middle of hyperspace oh and so Vern has to find the diplomat's child and a couple other people and they basically eject from an escape pod as the ship blows up the padawan loses his master and so he, his name's Emery. Through the book, Emery is battling with the dark side. He thinks it's unfair that, his, that he lost his master. Where is he going to go? Because they're basically stranded on a planet. Ah. Um, and this planet, it's like tropical. It's got like acid rain. It's, it's crazy. Anyway, Vern has to use her wit and courage in order to get them off the planet. Um, and at the very end of the book... Vern takes Emery to be her paddle on, which I thought was super cool because Emery is only maybe two years younger than her. And she's the youngest Jedi Knight, but she's strong enough in her, she believes in herself that she can do this. Um, and so that, that is really, really cool to see. Yeah. Um, it's really cool. And another thing that's revealed in that book is that her lightsaber can, she's tampered with it a bit. And she's probably got the coolest lightsaber in Star Wars, but it can also turn into a light whip. She says the Night Sisters use these, and it's a controversial idea, but she kind of keeps it on the down low. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, this this chick is she's awesome. Anyway, I, I don't want to like spoil everything in the book, but it's definitely worth your time. Yeah, no, that's really cool because um, so a light whip was so in Legends, Kit Fisto actually made one, made a light whip. I didn't um, know that. Yeah, and it, he, he was insanely good with it. Um, it was all part of this really interesting plot um, where he was needed to battle Obi-Wan, basically. For, it was all part of this act, basically, to make people think um, that something was up. And uh, you'll have to read the book. It's in the book, The Cestus Deception. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. Yeah, and it's really cool. So he builds a light whip, and he masters it, basically. And he's... He, because he's, you know, a Form 1 user. He's already one of the most aggressive Jedi. Right, right, right. But, yeah, so then he uses the light whip. But that's that's really cool. Especially that's cool that uh, Vernestra mentions the Night Sisters. Oh, yeah. That's very that cool. super cool because it's so early on. You yes. Because the first time we see the Night Sisters is in the Clone Wars. Or that's yeah. the first time I ever saw yeah. them or heard them. Yep. Um, so that, that's, that is really cool that they're around this long and that they mention it at this point. Yeah, they are um, a known people group. Yeah, yeah, it's really fascinating, and like she knows enough about them to know that what kind of weapons they use and stuff. Yeah, so and that's another thing about Vern is that she she reads in her spare time. She's very intellectual, and I guess her greatest downfall is that she looks to others to affirm her, but most people look at her young age and dismiss her. If that makes sense. Huh. Yeah, I see. So it's a pretty interesting dynamic with her. <laughs> yeah, that is really interesting. And that's in the book. That's in which book? Test of Courage? A Test of Courage. Okay. Yeah. I might need to look into that, too. Yeah, um, but now now we basically get into um, the Phase 2. And I know, yeah, Phase 1 took a while to talk about. Phase 2 might take even longer. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so Phase 2. Now, I, I, again, I've only read um, the High Republic comics that take place here and um, uh, Rising Storm. So I'll let you talk about some of the other stuff. But yeah. Rising Storm is the big one. And that's when, um, that's when we get this whole uh, Republic Fair. And this okay, Rising Storm, written by Kevin Scott, and um, came out like in July, so like last month. Yeah, it's a fairly new book. Yeah, um, and it's it's really cool. Um, it's a it's a great book. What did you think of it? 
I thought it was awesome. I thought it was so cool to see the galaxy kind of come together. I thought it was cool kind of getting insight on Lena So's character and her whole di- the whole diplomatic side. I've always been intrigued by that part of Star Wars. Um, I really liked uh, the Tergrudas being like iffy if they want to join the Republic or not. And there's all these different tensions that arise. Yeah. Yeah, it it is really that is it's really cool to see because we never we never knew this about the Togrudas. They we see them in Clone Wars as like a whole species at the one point, but at, at that point they're all slaves. Yeah, so, they're like primal warriors. Like yeah, yeah. But so we never really get this new look at them. This is a really cool look at them. Their their queen is called the Great Huntress or whatever. So that that just provides yeah a lot of insight into their culture. Um, and that yeah. so this just that's just really cool. That is a cool. Point. Yeah, I like this book because it showed, once again, Lena So's slogan, like, we are all the Republic. It showed all these different tensions of all these different side plots going on where people are kind of having their own bit of conflict. But when faced by a great, I'll just say disaster, it's not really, a dis- but, you know. <laughs> it's um, not the disaster. They all band together once again as a Republic um, to take on a great battle. Yeah, yeah, and so... At the same time, while they are um, emphasizing this point, we are all the Republic, they're also showing this other character. He's a Celestin named Tia Toon, and he's a senator, but he believes, and he's kind of portrayed as antagonistic and offensive, but he believes that the Republic should not have to rely on the Jedi for protection. He's not saying he hates the Jedi or doesn't even like them, but... He believes they should be able to protect themselves, the Republic should. Which is 100% fair. Yeah, yeah, because at first we're getting these really one-sided, um, prejudiced views on him. But yeah. then, then, as maybe halfway through the book, we see, okay, he's not a terrible person at all. He's actually this um, He's actually this um, patriot, really, for the Republic. Oh, he doesn't yeah. just like the Jedi. He just wants what's best for the Republic. So his whole goal is he wants to make basically a Republic army. Um, which is cool to think about because we see he do- he he doesn't succeed at least in this book, and we really we realize that the Republic hasn't had an army uh, since the old Republic, and they don't get another one until the Grand Army of the Republic. In right. The so it really just shows that this is a time of what they believe is peace. Yeah, I thought this book was awesome because, um, at at some point the Nile decide well. They're all happy, so we're gonna blow them up. Yeah, we're gonna fight and try to tear up this Republic fair. Yeah, Where there's a lot these... of de- yeah, yep, yeah. There's a lot of development within the Nile. Um, so they go from being um, uh, let's call them pirates or robbers to being actual marauders or um, brutes. They go to the Republic fair. So what happened was um, their leader Martian. Um, went off for a while on um, basically this quest for power. Um, but he doesn't really tell anyone what he's doing. He's a very reclusive leader. Um, what he's actually doing is he's going to this planet where he encounters this, or where he's looking for this ancient beast, uh, simply known as the Leveler. Um, it's, it's what he's told it's called. And it has this devastating effect on Force users. And that's what he's trying to find. Because he was always, his father was always afraid of the Jedi. His, all of his, basically, ancestors, anyone who's had an impact on him has been afraid of the Jedi. So his whole goal in with the Nihole has been to basically wipe out the Jedi, as we see. Um, but so he, some of the Tempest Runners, one in particular, a Dawutan named Pan Yetta, believes that things need to change. And maybe Martian shouldn't be in charge anymore um, since, and all this, all this stuff happens within the Nile and um, basically, uh, Roe decides if he wants to stay in charge, he needs to figure out how to get out of this mess. And he does so by rallying the Nihole um, to him by ordering an attack on the fair, saying that this will show the Republic who's boss, really, because um, they'd been in hiding for a while. Right. And Right after the Great Disaster, they kind of wanted to back off and make everyone think that they've disappeared. Yeah, because the Great Disaster was actually an accident created by the Nihole. So, right. Um, so, yeah. So a lot has been going on within the Nile, and it's just really cool development because um, Loden Greatstorm, who I mentioned before, had been captured by the Nile, and um, the Eye was doing experiments on him and uh, torturing him, basically. 
Um, yeah, he got and, kidnapped at the end of Light of the Jedi. Yep. And Loden is a empath, I guess you could say, where he he cares about other people's feelings and emotions. So the way they tortured him was honestly pretty jarring. They put him yeah. in a cell by himself where they could electrocute him, but they also had other random people that they picked up all around him and tortured them as well as him. So it also blurred his connection with the force as well because all yeah. he felt around him was pain yeah and I, I don't think that was specifically a um like one of his powers being an empath i think that's just right being... but i think it was very important for his connection boy howdy yeah definitely um it that's that's exactly why he couldn't break free was because he was in constant pain and others around him were in constant pain causing him constant pain Right. You want to talk about an empathetic Jedi? You talk about Buriaga, the Wookiee. Oh, love him. He's so cute. <laughs> yeah, he's he's such a cool Jedi. He's one of the most caring and empathetic characters, um, and that's pointed out many times. Many times. Every time he's brought up. Yeah. Yeah. And so what do you think about? He, go ahead. Sorry. He's just really cool. That's all I was gonna say. He's really cool. <laughs> what do you think about Ty Yorick? So yeah, she was another character introduced in this book, and I thought she's really cool. So I've read the first, um, there's a, a new High, uh, High Republic Adventures issue one that's out, and it's about Ty York. It's called, like, The Monster at Temple Peak. Temple Peak. I haven't right? read it yet. I really want to. Yeah, that's cool. That came out after this book, I believe. Yes. Um, and I read that, and that's pretty cool. But she's a new character introduced in this book. She's a, used to be, she used to be a Jedi, and yeah, she's, she's got this cool Jedi purple lightsaber. She's got this cool purple lightsaber with, like, spikes on the end. Um, and she's a monster hunter, so she she's not a Jedi anymore. She left that path a long time ago. But she's a adequate Force user, and she's a very cool monster hunter. She's basically a mercenary. Yeah, she calls herself a saver for hire. Yep. Yeah. And so basically, she is she gets um, involved in this by being enlisted by a scientist with. Uh, basically, she has this tech that can turn off the Jedi's lightsabers remotely. Yeah, and, and so all her, all energy weapons. Yeah, all energy weapons. So guns, everything. Yeah. Um. So her and her daughter are trying to basically uh, present this weapon to Tia Toon. I think it is, isn't it? Yep. In order to kind of uh, feed good stuff for his army. Um. And so Ty, she's kind of involved in this, and at the same time, I think, isn't it? Stellan and Bell are like tracking yeah it, well so it's actually it's, it's elzar who's tracking him and then stellan and bell track elzar because they said that's right that's right yeah that uh, was a good scene yeah so there's this pretty funny actually kind of like lightsaber fight slash blaster shootout that takes place in like tia Toon's little apartment room that he's yeah in. then the energy uh, weapon is turned on and they have to use their fists and it's yeah. it's intense i like it yeah it, it's really cool um, and then at some point, right after that, isn't Ty and the scientists all thrown in jail together? Yeah, yeah, they all get thrown in jail because the energy weapon they're using is uses this illegal radioactive substance to power it. So keep keep that scene in mind for race point to crash race to crash point tower. I'll talk about that. Okay. For... Yeah. Um. So yeah. So where they're at right now is the Republic Fair. They're on... Oh, man. What's the world called? You know Valo. What, oh, Valo. That's exactly right. Yep. Yes, they're on this planet called Valo. Or, yeah. And there's all these crazy attractions. Like, they have little floating islands that each represent a uh, key world in the Republic. They have they a, a petting zoo with dragons. Yeah. They have a petting zoo with dragons. Like, that's it's crazy. <laughs> it is. It's hilarious. There are three huge dragons they have in a zoo. It's <laughs> like, quite the fair. <laughs> clearly, clearly, they don't have Jurassic World in their movie or in their world, or else they'd know better. Right. But, but um, uh, they have all this other cool stuff too, like just basically stuff from all around the Republic. They and have like, they have a um, like a uh, prototype ship, right? Yeah. It's like well, a Devoid. yeah, so it's not a yeah. prototype. It's like they release this ship called the Innovator, and it's basically. Um, have you ever read the book Outbound Flight? I have not. No, okay. it's a Star Wars book um, by Timothy Zahn, so it's really good. Um, but it's basically that kind of ship, except less, um, it less, less designed for colonization, but it's an explorer ship and, um, basically designed to go out and chart maps and chart, uh, hyperspace routes and collect data all throughout space. 
and it's it's a beautiful ship, uh, never before seen type of ship. It's really cool. Yeah. So as you can see, there's a lot of side plots happening in this book. Yeah. And so all at once, when the Nile attack, a lot happens. So we can start sussing that out. <laughs> yeah. 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 So the Nile, they basically attack in a couple waves. First, an aerial kind of just strafing runs. Then, um, then a ground assault and then a aerial bombardment. But it, they're just doing this to cause as much damage as possible. And I think they start out by shooting the innovator, correct? Yeah, so, well, that's one of the things they start out with. Yeah, they, sh they shoot pretty much everything. They're shooting down the islands. Um, right, and so at this time, Belle, so Lena So, the chancellor, her son is on Volo as well. And yeah. he goes missing with his friend, and they're kind of touring the innovator. Yeah. And so Belle has been tasked with finding her son because the comm tower got destroyed, correct? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it destroyed? Or I think the Nile were just jamming all the signals. That's right, that's right, that's right. And that place is called Crash Point Tower, just saying. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay, all right. Um, and so basically, uh, Belle, without his comm device, cannot tell anybody that... Uh, Lena So's son is on this ship. Right. So him and his dog are going to go save the chancellor's child. Okay. Um, yeah. And so I guess we don't, we don't really have to get into all the fine details. It's pretty intense. Um, and I won't tell you if they made it out or not. Yeah. Point um, being, there's a lot of subplots, really intense subplots. Yes. At some point, Ty York breaks out of jail with the help of a young Padawan that's in that cell with her. Yeah. And she goes and finds Elzar, correct? Yep. And yeah, they basically like team up. They control the dragons. They take control of the dragons. They have to kind of bond their minds together. And she said she had not bonded with another Jedi quite like that since she had left the Order. So it was pretty emotional for her to do that. Especially with Elzar, because Elzar had been kind of <laughs> fighting with himself, kind of with the dark side. Because he, part of him wanted to, I don't even know. Yeah, and this um, was like right after he had like basically lost control of himself and completely annihilated a Nile ship. Yes. Um, just using the Force, using raw hatred through the Force. Attack is happening. Some Jedi, without their comms, are going to have to fight the Nile with an aerial yeah. assault. And yep. so, what is her name? I forget her name. Um, Indira. Uh, oh, Indira. Indira, who is Bell's stand-in master, because Loden is gone. She's kind of leading this attack. They're, all the Jedi are kind of bonding through the Force instead of their calm in order to communicate together and work as one. And so, yeah, and she's pretty much, she's pretty much like the best pilot. Yeah, she's she's awesome, man. Um, and so. They're all kind of fighting up there. I think Buryag is with them. Same with, um, what's his name? The cook. Porter Angel. Yes. Porter Angel. Yeah, he's, he, he's pretty awesome. You want to talk about awesome? He's awesome. He, he is awesome. He's standing on the wing of her ship using the force. Yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's crazy, man. Yeah, he's the craziest. He's so cool. But it's hilarious because, like, he's always thinking about, like, cooking. Especially, like, cooking eggs. Yeah. Which is just hilarious. And so while <laughs> that he's attack super old. is... He's super old. He's called, like... He's known as, like, the Blade of Bardada. So he's, like, That's this right, legend. because he's got yeah. all these different battles under his belt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's crazy. And I think him and... Old. Doesn't him and Yoda, like, share cooking recipes or something? <laughs> I don't remember. Something like that. That's I cool. think it's something like that. Um, and so while that attack is happening, the Nile are starting their ground assault. And with that, they're trying to attack Lena So. And so Stellan Gios, who is Vern's master um, and high uh, council member, um, he's kind of tasked with protecting her and some of the fellow diplomats. So like the the huntress of the Torgrudus, the queen, basically. Yes. So they're all together. Um, basically, they the Nile, they use gas, and they have these gas masks that'll basically... Does it kill people, or does it just put them to sleep? Um... I I think I when you know. inhale it, it I is in, like it it's like um it's just crazy amount of pain that, that you just breathe in. Yeah, I don't um, remember. The and so or Stellan, or yeah, so Stellan has to basically create like an air bubble of force, basically, to protect these people. So they're all huddled together. 
Stellan's only one guy. He can only do so much. So they're just yeah. trying to get to this other prototype. Like, I kind of thought of it as like an AT-AT in my mind. Um, uh, yeah, I'm thinking more A-T-T-E because it's Rathana. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, and so basically, as they're doing that, uh, some of the other, some of the huntresses, like um, warriors and everyone, they're kind of protecting them from the Nile. At yeah. some point, the Nile catch up to them. And yeah, well, yeah Stellan, so Stellan, Stellan's already been through a lot. He's taken a beating throughout the whole day. He's The entire day. He's a trooper, dude. Yeah, I don't... There's one point where, like... There's, like, three points where he's just like, I fell down, and I did not think I could get up, but this person's about to die, so I gotta help. Yeah, he, he like, died, like, 40 times, and yet he's yeah. not... It's crazy. This man just keeps on getting up. Yeah, he's so... Um, and then... At, yeah, so at some point he gets Lena so to safety, and then I think him and Elzar is it Elzar he goes off with, kind of to when? fight. When? Um, right after. Uh, I think Lena so is on the in the tank and they're walking away, and then I forget her name, the Tempest Runner. Um, she's like racing after them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? And then Elzar's there. Yeah, so Elzar. So, yeah, so, yeah. Lorna D starts attacking Stellan. Um, he kind of beats her, but then she runs after the walker while he's, like, battling some. Yeah, yeah, she kind of knocks him out. Um, but then yeah. Elzar, he was, like, flying his dragon, but he kind of just, like, jumps off, like, Anakin, Anakin style. So Elzar um, found the dragon, or yeah. released the dragon that was the petting zoo, like, um, attractment. So he's flying on this dragon with Indira. They have two separate dragons and they're doing with, their own With Ty. He's, he's flying with Ty. That's why they're not Indira. Yeah. Um, and so that's just a really, really cool scene in general. Um, yeah. And while that is all happening, they're trying to fix the, the uh, comms. And so I think it's like a newscaster girl. They're like one Jedi who's like is yeah, like a glob of slime. Yeah, he's basically like a gelatinous cube, but in like this suit of armor. His name's Orba Lin. He's so cool. Yeah, so he's, he's one of, like a he's like a, a historian kind of thing. So he collects a lot of things. Yeah, he's um, he basically grabs this like reporter and he's like, "All right, well, you know things about communication devices, so you're going to help me make something out of all of my like little uh, trinkets." Yeah, all of, like the antique stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool because it's like this random news reporter who probably doesn't know a lot about, you know, uh, communication equipment. Equipment. Yeah. He's like, I need your help and you're going to rise to the occasion. I thought that was really cool to see because you got Lena. So she's trying to protect her republic as a whole. So she's trying to put on a straight, uh, a good face with uh, next to the head huntress who's also offering a lot of help. Yes. Um, and so it's not all just the Jedi, but it's the Republic as a whole. Yeah, yeah. And what's so cool about Real Dyro, that's the reporter, um, what's so cool about her is that she's like a cyborg. Um, yeah. Like the eye implant. She's that she like links. mobile. Yeah, kind of. Um, but she's got just like an eye implant that she links to her cam droid. Yeah, um, yeah. That's ultimately what lets her, um, well, yeah, you'll have to read it and find out. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, this was a cool scene. We got, we got a bunch of new characters in this book. Um, ultimately they take the fight to the Nile at their, what they're using as their home base and a bunch of crazy stuff. happens. They're able um, to get a call out to the, uh, the, the reporter girl. She's able to get a call out to Starlight Beacon where Avarkris is able to send any remaining Jedi in the sector because they don't know anything what's happening on Bala because all the communication with that. Yeah. And so at the very end, you have this big climactic battle of all of these Jedi coming in. I think Vern's there. There's Lula and Zine from the High Republic Adventure comic books. Um, they're all just coming in for aid. And then I think at some point, Chancellor So gets knocked out. Correct? Yeah. So she gets like almost killed. Not even just knocked out. Like almost killed. Yeah. And so there's a big... Uh, basically, whenever the news reporter... She is trying to show the world what is happening on Valo. She looks over and you see Stellan over Lena So's body. And that's like a huge... The Nile are dangerous. We got to be careful. Yeah. Uh, and that's huge um, for... I think I think that's going to be a big deal for the rest of the, the story that we're going to yeah. get. Yeah, probably. Because um, that's like their big announcement. Like, oh my goodness, they almost killed our chancellor. Yeah. 
And that's, yeah, that was like, that was the Niles whole, um, that was like their rallying cry. It was like death to Lena So, death to the Chancellor. That's right. And they didn't care how many people they lost as long as they killed her. Yeah. Um, and so we haven't talked about the High Republic Adventure comic at all. So you should probably talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so that's basically about this girl, Zine. She's like a Kid Fisto species. Um, is it um, Nautilin? No, I think she's um, she's not a Nautilin. I don't remember the name of their species. But she's like the... Um, remember the twins from Clone Wars? Yeah, yeah, who got killed Tibli from the... Tiblar? Yeah, yeah, the glitch with the Order 66 chip. Yeah. She's one anyway, of the- she's a Force-sensitive girl who grew up in this cult, basically, who believe all Jedi and Force users are evil. Yeah. So her being a Force user suppresses her power. Yeah. And so her and her best friend, Crix, are kind of like, oh my goodness, they're basically nomads. And so they're like, we finally found this world that we love. Anyway, this world gets attacked by the Nile. And so the Jedi come in to help. Lula, who is a Jedi who wants to be like the best Jedi ever, um, she befriends Zine. And so Zine saves Lula and all of her friends by using the force on this giant rock that was about to kill them all, showing yeah. her force power. Yeah. Crix gets all up in his emotions and he's like, oh my goodness, you! I didn't know this about you. You lied to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so Does he, he like to join the Nile? Yes, he joins the Nile and Markion Rowe gives him like a helmet, like his helmet. Oh, um, yeah. That's right. And so Zine, with no place to go, she ends up going with Lula and she's not going to become a Jedi, but they're going to help her harness her skills. And Yoda's in this book because Yoda's always with the younglings and I thought that was awesome. Yoda's I think the other guy's name is Buckets of Blood. Yeah, his, name, his, his name's Torben, or yeah, Torben Buck. Yeah, and, but they call uh, him he Buckets goes, he goes of by Blood Buckets or whatever. Of blood because he's a medic. <laughs> yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, anyway, cool. that's the base synopsis of it. Um, and so yeah, there's it's, like it's a, a bunch cool of series. Yeah, I, I really do enjoy it because it's all these little kids you know um, and so basically, the author who wrote that uh, comic book series wrote Race to Crash Point Tower. Okay. Race to Crash Point Tower is about a young Padawan named Ram, John Ram, or something oh, like that. Oh, okay. So he's the one who um, helped Ty York escape. Yes. He's in that prison cell. Um, we'll get to that. Basically, he's this little... He just likes to, uh, I guess, dabble with little trinkets. He likes to fix robots and things like that. In the first little bit, he turns his robot into a speeder. It's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, he, and he's um, great because all, basically all he does in um, in Rising Storm is like he's there. Uh, there's some nigh hole going after him, and he makes like the guy's bowcaster just explode. Yeah, he's pretty, pretty handy. Yeah. Um, and so basically, he is he. I think the day before the Republic Fair, he sees that Nile are tampering with the um crash point tower which is basically the calm like interface all of that so he's like oh my goodness i need to go tell the masters nobody listens to him he gets caught up in some trouble um and he's not able to warn anybody about it and so when the attack happens he's able to like oh my goodness i know what i need to do so it's on him to go uh fix crash point tower uh. but he finds lula and zine from the high republic adventures because they responded to the call. Um, and so basically they help him get to Ra- Crash Point Tower. So it's race to Crash Point Tower. At some point, Ram, I think... Yeah, so whenever the battle first starts, since nobody believed him that, you know, there was people tampering, he gets thrown in jail. Yeah. Um, and so he's there when Ty York is in there, and she kind of um, encourages him to help her use the Force to fight their way out of jail. And so Lula shows up. She's like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? And him and Lula race over the rooftops in order to fix the tower. I think Zine is there. And then I, what happened is, is that the Nile, in order to protect Crash Point Tower, they dropped spores of Dren gear that yeah. will grow and kind of feast upon the earth to protect Crash Point Tower. Yeah. And through it all he gets it up and running and without that they probably would have lost the battle yeah because um, he who, he's who summons the Tugruta fleet right yes yeah i thought that was super cool to kind of see it all tie together like that and yeah. in um 
in the rising storm, you see one scene where like all the Jedi are responding and like all these little Easter eggs, like, Oh, Lula and Zena are here. They've never been mentioned in that, in, like the first two books at all. Right. But with all of these, other stories going on it's very intertwined storytelling which i think is really cool like that one scene in the prison cell i thought was the coolest because literally it went perfectly with both books which was super cool to see yeah yeah and that sure. book race to crash point towers another one of the children's books from like eight to 12 years old once again don't dismiss it it's a great great book okay i got you yeah I, i'll have to I'll, i might have to check some of those out that sounds pretty cool yeah, um, Test of Courage but, I like more, but this one was pretty good. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, okay, so that, that's I think that's enough about the plot and everything and the characters. Yeah. Um, what do you... So, okay, what, what do we think about this time period? Do we, what, how, do you, well, how do you think of this? How do you think, how do you think it's going to play into future Star Wars um, canon and what we already have? How do you think it plays into it all? Um, I think it gives us better insight on who the Jedi are and how they'll respond to things and really who the galaxy kind of views them as during the events of, like, the Skywalker saga. Because yeah. everybody thinks of them as these high night, holy knights, basically. But right. they're not that. They're regular people, too. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's really important to see that. And I, I really, really like the insight on, like, Avar Chris sees the force as a song, you know, and yeah. Elzar Man sees it as an ocean. That's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just a cool time period to see. I think it's cool seeing Yoda younger when he's like in his prime. <laughs> his That's prime, really cool. his prime 700s. Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> you know. He, but I like that he was still with younglings, and I think that's very staying true oh, to yeah. his character. Oh yeah, for sure. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, also, yeah. So, what this is, what this is also going to lead us into is um, the show, The Acolyte. It's, I think, it's been confirmed. This will take place. That'll take yeah. place the waning days of the High Republic. So, who knows? Maybe, maybe Phase Three will lead right into that. That would be cool. yes. And so, I know the last book in the main trilogy. I think it's called like Fallen Star or something like that. It's going to be written by Claudia Gray. She's yeah. written Bloodline. She's written um, a lot of Leia books. I think she also wrote uh, Lost Stars as well. All very, very good books. She's a fantastic author. So I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah. No, yeah. That's going to be what? The third adult novel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay, the last okay. one in the trilogy. So yeah, I'm looking no, forward to I'm, that because I believe in this lady. She's awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's it should be good because it's cool what they're doing, having like different authors write each book. Yes, but it's, it's like five different authors. I think for each wave, three three of the five authors get a project to work on. And then while they're writing those three books, two other authors are writing the next two books, basically. Oh, I got you. Okay, interesting. Um, but the last book that's out right now is called Into the Dark. That yeah. was a very good book because it's written by Justina Ireland, who wrote Test of Courage. So Vern is basically her character. So Vern is... Um, she's finally at uh, Starlight Beacon, and I think she gets told by Stellan to go help a, a diplomat of some sort. And she's like, okay, like, wh what's going on? So she has to have her Padawan. You see the dynamic between her and Emery being, she's so young, and he's so young himself, but he has to believe in his master, and she has to know what she's doing. So that's really cool to see. She meets up with Reese, who's in the main character from Into the Dark, and his master, Comac. Um, and so they're like, okay, well, we'll go see what this diplomat wants because he asked. And so while that is going on, you meet up with this girl. She's like a rogue pilot. She kind of does her own thing. Basically, her mother got killed by the, by the Nile. And so she's kind of grieving from the loss of her mother, but she's trying to make ends meet. And so she is going to go to Coruscant and tell the world about how terrible the Nile are and how much they're wrecking everything. Because oh. she doesn't feel like, from her point of view, that nobody's doing anything about it. And so they meet up with this man. I forget his name. But he's like this like this rich frat boy, basically. And he's like, all right, guys. And, and basically, he is 
a rival of the Santecas. The Santecas are the people who discovered the hyperspace lands. Um, and so his family are like, they're, they have like this rivalry going on. And so his family have their own hyperspace lanes. And for whatever reason, his family wants to cover something up, but the Republic suspects something that his family is doing. So I won't get into all the nitpicky details of it, but they go, Vern meets up with the, um, meets up with the diplomat. And he's like, all right, well, let's go. Um, and everybody all, everybody thinks that it's strange that he's enlisting the help of Vern because she's so young. They're like, well, can she, can she actually help? Um, and so the Junker girl, uh, I forget her name. Um, basically, she, she goes along with it, because, along with him, because she's like, all right, well, I can finally make something of myself. And he was willing to pay her a lot of money as well. Anyway, they fly through hyperspace and get to this area of space that is under question of the Republic and it's uh, owned by the diplomats family. Anyway, the Nile are there and they're experimenting on some like massive hyperspace ring that is gonna, it's a threat to the galaxy basically. Anyway, they fly on the ship um, and they're kind of going through it and they find out something strange. Mari Santeca is there. Um, and she is the long-lost Santeca family member who basically finds all of the hyperspace lanes for Mark Yonrell. Yeah, she's the creator of the pads, basically. Yes. And not only is she there, but Nan is there from Into the Dark. Nan... <laughs> I thought it was really cool because you see her reunion with Reith and Reith is because throughout into the dark, he develops feelings for this random girl. And he's like, he's like maybe 15 years old. So that's normal, but he's a Jedi. So he's like, no, I, I got to shrug it off. But now that he knows that she's a Nile, he's like, she's a threat. And cause he underestimated her last time and he's not going to let her do it again. Um, and not only is she there, but the Junker girl's mother is there. Her mother faked her death and joined the Nile. So she, because her mother was some sort of scientist and the girl never knew that part of her mother at all. So she feels like her mother's betrayed her. Um, and so it's a huge climactic scene where all of this, all of these stories are kind of coming together after the effects of Volo. I'm not really going to get into it because it's really, really a good read. I really enjoyed it. Um, but once again, I really love Vern. I love her relationship with Emery. Um, I thought it was cool to see how the character, I forget her name and I feel bad because I do, the Junker girl, I keep calling her that, um, <laughs> just how she's developing after the loss of her mother, how she's kind of struggling with the fact that her mother's gone and then finding out that her mother's bad. That was huge because you see how she's working through it. She's like, can I trust the Republic to do what's right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's just a really, really good book. Um, and something happens in that book that's definitely going to affect the rest of the story. So, yeah, well, yeah, phase three coming soon, right? Isn't it going to be like this? Is it going to be uh, uh, this winter? Yeah, I think it comes out in, is it October or I don't even know. It's later on this year. It's the High Republic supposed to be an, a like an event. I think is what they call it for this year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's really really good. I highly highly recommend it to people. Oh yeah, um, it's been fantastic so far. At least from what I've read. And, oh yeah. You know, hopefully and clearly, it's already had some um, impact on the galaxy, and hopefully, it'll have more as we see throughout oh, the upcoming sure. shows. Um, yeah, and I mean. The Santeca family, like Lor Santeca, in yeah. the future, he's a descendant of this family. Yep. He is the one who has the map to Luke Skywalker in The Force Awakens. Yeah. Which is really cool to see how his family are a bunch of wayfinders. And you don't you don't get that in that movie, you know? Right. Yeah. So they're expanding the galaxy, they're expanding the history, and it's just it's really cool to see it all come together. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, thank you so much for um, talking about this with me. It's been a great time. Um, yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I haven't had yeah. anyone to talk to about this, so this is awesome. Oh yeah, my pleasure, dude. Um, it's been great. And, um, you know, next when the next wave comes out, we'll have to read up and then talk about it. Oh, for sure. And I don't know. I might. I'll, I'll think about letting you talk about the Bad Batch with me on here. We'll see. We'll see about that. <laughs> we'll see about um, that. But yeah, that'd be that'd be great too because that just finished. Um, so yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, thank you, thank you so much, and thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I just got back, of course, from my summer uh, episodes, and uh, I hope you enjoy the uh, new music, new background music, and uh, cover art. Um, the music came from my friend who goes by Three Tenses. He's a musician. And uh, just a beat maker. You can find him on Spotify under the name Three Tenses. And you can find him on uh, Pond 5 under the name Candle 3. So, Wesley or anyone else, if you ever need some sweet beats, just go to Pond 5 and look up Candle 3. And awesome. uh, you get some pretty sweet music. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And uh, yeah, so thank you all so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. I enjoyed talking about all this. I really enjoy this uh, High Republic event. And I hope you'll check it out and uh, enjoy it too. So until next time, may the force be with you.